So I was praying, and I know that we're supposed to share about what the, we feel the Lord is speaking to us for 2014, and uh, God began to share some things with me, um, a couple words here and there, and um, I want to share that first. He gave me the scripture in Isaiah 55, verse 6, that, uh, not 6, verse, um, wait a minute, yeah, it's verse 6, I'll read the whole thing in a minute. Uh, but as I sought the Lord, he began to minister to me, and he began to tell me that he is wanting, he just said this, this sentence, he said, the Lord wants to get to the heart of the matter. That there's things that uh, keep us from going forward in God, there's things that we trip up over, that we seem to go around the mountain and say, there it is again, our face again, or we take two steps forward and we seem to, to go backwards or sit down. And the Lord said, I want to get to the heart of the matter. And as I pray, the Lord says he wants to expose those secret hidden things. When you have a, a, a weed that you're trying to get out of your garden, you don't just pull the top of it off. You have to dig the root out. Because if you pull just the top of it off, the root, it looks great for a while, but then that weed comes back up, and it's still there. And he began to minister to me that he wants to get to the root because God says in Deuteronomy, uh, uh, I think it's um, 4, verse 24, he says, Our God is a a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. And that doesn't make sense to say that he's a jealous God. But in, in that context, what he's saying is he wants all of us. He doesn't want anything separating us from him. He wants to bring us all the way in, all the way close to his heart. And especially in these last days, as things continue to get darker and, and uh, the world begins to go into places of chaos and rebellion, he wants us in the safe place, in the hiding place where we can have an ear to hear what he is saying, that we don't walk around in fear, that we don't walk around like the world does, what am I going to do, wringing our hands, how am I going to pay this bill or that bill, is there going to be food on the table? He wants us to have a surety that he is our supplier and that he knows exactly what's going on and he has it all under control. And he wants us to be the ones that are walking in peace and in faith, and he wants us to be the ones to be giving out to those people that are freaking out. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so uh, he gave me a story to read, but first we're going to go to Isaiah 55. And I know that uh, people are tired. And I believe God is going to refresh. So let's start with verse 1. It says, Ho! This is King James, meaning woe. Pretty much what that means is listen. Everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come and buy and eat. Come ye, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money that, for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat Ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And if you go down to verse 6, this is the scripture that he gave me for this year. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And uh, he magnified that to me, that 
that we are to seek him while he may be found, to call upon him while he is near. And what the Lord ministered to me is that many people are, have, are kind of weary in well-doing, that we've been on this trek where we have been uh, seeking the Lord and doing what's right and pressing in. And what I saw the enemy do, especially the end of this, this last year going into the first part of this year, is I saw him take his hands and, like, sh- shove people backwards. So they sat down and just sitting. And the Lord ministered to me that this is not the time to sit. We cannot allow ourselves to sit. We have to stand up and continue to press. And the Holy Spirit's going to give us the grace to do that. Amen? Okay, so we're going to seek him while he may be found. We're going to call upon him while he is near. And he says, uh, come to the waters. Come, you who have no money. Come and buy and eat. How do you buy something without money? What is he talking about? He's saying, come to the waters. Come and buy. You cannot pay for this. It's something that Jesus himself sacrificed. No money, no monetary value could be put on it. But he says to come and buy. So what are we buying with? We're buying with our whole person. We're buying with our whole surrender. And when we come and sit with him, uh, we seek him, we, we, we are allowing him to pour into us those good things that we need. And he says to buy wine and milk. Jesus is the new wine. He's the milk of the word. Amen? And so he's wanting us to sit with him. Now let's go over to a story in Mark 5.25. And it's about the, you guys have heard this before. It's about the woman with the issue of blood. Verse 25, 5.25. A certain woman with an, which had an issue of blood for 12 years, and she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather she grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Let's go back up. It's just a certain woman, she had an issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years she was in this ailment. 12 years she constantly, it was nonstop, okay? And if you read in Leviticus 15, you'll find that under the law she was unclean. She was not allowed to be around people. Uh, So she was in a solitary place. She was on the outskirts of society. She was lonely. She was probably very weak from her ailment. And it says she spent everything she had, everything she could scrounge up, she spent to try to find a cure. And the only thing that happened was she got worse. Okay, so how many of you guys know that she was a desperate woman? Okay, she was left in a wilderness situation for a long time. And what happens when you're left in a wilderness situation? How many of you could say that she would have done anything to find a cure? And she came to the end of herself, and there was no hope. No hope. Down in verse uh, um, 27, she says she heard of Jesus. She heard of a man named Jesus, and she heard about a man who was healing people who were sick, delivering people who had demons, and setting people free. She heard with her ear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
And so she heard of this man, and she could have said to herself, I've done everything. Yeah, I've heard of this man, and he's healed other people, but I, I, I've just, I, I have no strength to get up and, and to go and see who this man is. But she did the contrary. Something rose up in her when she heard of Jesus and the miracles that he did. Something in her rose up, and she said, if I could just get to him, If I could just grab a little piece of him, I know that I will be made whole. But her dilemma was, I'm unclean. How can I go in the midst of a throng of people and touch a a, a teacher's garment? I will make him unclean. But at this point in her life, she didn't care. All she cared about was, I'm desperate, I know if I can get to him, and I know if I go there, I can touch him, and if I touch him, I know I can be healed. Okay, so let's go to verse 28. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. So here he is walking with all these people around him. And he's walking and somebody touches him. And, you know, everybody was touching him. People were bumping into him. People were knocking, you know, trying to crowd around him so they could hear what he had to say. But there was something different about this touch that this woman had. And a lot of times we can come to church and we can uh, uh, be around Jesus. And we can bump into Jesus. And we can bump into people who know Jesus. And we could be caught up in, you know, when you get saved, the grace of God that the crowd just pulls you in. But we don't touch Jesus. This woman was so desperate and so thirsty for somebody to help her that she was willing to go out of her zone where she was to get to to a man who she knew would heal her. And she touched him. And when she touched him, virtue went out of him. Jesus acknowledges this kind of touch, one of faith and desperation. Many come to him by grace, but to no purpose, being sucked in by the crowd. Only those who come by faith and hunger with a desperate heart can draw virtue from him. And virtue means power. And so we have to come to him with this kind of of longing and desperation. And that only comes by being thirsty. There is a prerequisite to this. We have to be thirsty. He says he satisfies the hungry and he quenches those that thirst. And so if we're not hungry or thirsty, then we're not going to be able to receive a touch from God. Does that make sense? Okay, so how do we get hungry and thirsty? This woman, by no fault of her own, she ended up in a situation where she had an, uh, an ailment that caused her to be set out in a lonely place, solitary, she had rejection and she had shame. She didn't just have this plague of an issue of blood. Because of that ailment, she had shame and rejection upon her. And so, so sometimes the Lord, and, and in fact what he's ministered to me is that 
there's a wilderness place that sometimes we find us in, ourselves in. And if you are many years in God, you know that that wilderness place comes and goes. You, you're there sometimes, you're not there other times, and God leads you there sometimes. He led Jesus there. The Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted. Okay? But when he came out, what did he come out with? Power and anointing. He started miracles after. That's the first miracle happened after he came out of that place. Okay, sometimes the Holy Ghost, you're, you're in a wilderness, you find yourself there, you did nothing to be there, but you're there, you don't know where God went, and you want to sit down, and, and, and you want to reject it, and, and the first thing that we do, we do what this women, woman did, you go into survival mode, right? Uh, I don't know why I'm in this place, I don't like where I'm at, uh, my needs are being met, but it's not what I want, I'm, I'm not having more than enough, uh, uh, and then you start complaining. And what do you do if you're if you're in the desert, or if you if everybody's anybody's seen the show Survivor? What do they do? They go get shelter. They start trying to find water. They start trying to take care of themselves, right? And that's what we do. We go into survival mode, and we go into this place where we're laboring and laboring, and we're kicking against the goats. And the Lord ministered to me that we should not despise the wilderness. We should embrace the wilderness because that is where deliverance takes place. The wilderness is where God says he spreads a banquet table out before, in front of us, in, in the midst of our enemies. He says that he gets our roots go down there if we allow him to do what he wants to do in us. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that he brought them out of Egypt he brought them across the waters with a great uh, a miracle. They walked across on dry ground, and they ended up in the wilderness. Here was this great thing that happened. It was this magnanimous deliverance, and then all of a sudden it was nothing. Okay, and they're left in this dry place. But the Bible says he brought them there to humble them to show them, to see what was in their hearts. He already knew what was in their hearts. The Lord already knows the things that are in our hearts. Amen? He knows what's there. Sometimes he allows us to stay in a wilderness place until we can cry out to him in desperation because we're sick of going around a mountain or we're sick of facing the same problem that we always face. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's, uh, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever people walk through. Everybody's got a different walk, and we're all walking our salvation out with fear and trembling. Every individual person. But the Lord wants us to not labor in that place to try to survive for ourselves and do for ourselves. He wants us to instead surrender in the wilderness. He wants us to surrender, and he wants us to, to allow him to be our shepherd and allow him to find those places where we can lie down on green pastures. Amen? That's where you get Psalm 23, which I'm going to read. We'll come back to that, so keep your finger there if you're, if you're following in your, in your Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who's my shepherd? The Lord. David wrote this. David knew what it was to be a shepherd. David had sheep all around him. He, he led them when there was no, nothing for them to sustain them. He had to go find it, and he would lead them to the places they needed to be to keep them alive. 
This is what God does for us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And a, a lot of times I read that, and he maketh me, and that's, but when I read it, I read he makes me lay down. It's, it's more forceful for me when I read this because sometimes we don't want to lay down. We don't want to submit. We don't want to say, Lord, have your way. We, we want to stand up in our own strength, and, and we want to do it our own selves. And the Lord says in Psalm 68, 6, he says, he sets the solitary in families, but the rebellious dwell in, dry, in a dry land. And so if, if there's an area in our lives where we're continually in a dry place, a dry land, what happened to them in the wilderness? They didn't go into the promised land because they had an evil heart of unbelief. They were rebellious, and they continued to wander. The things that, that God wants to set us free from, the only way that we won't be able to get free is if we rise up in pride and rebellion, and we don't allow him to do what he wants to do in us. And so in the wilderness place, we should embrace it and, and, and surrender to what he's wanting to do in us. And here in Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's in that place in the desert where, where your shepherd is guiding you through your life that you have these moments and these places of surrender where he sups with you. He won't allow you to go to have evil come upon you. This is where we find out who we are in God and what God has put in us. This is place, this desert place was where Jesus found out what was in him. And he responded to the temptations of the enemy with what? With his sword, with the word of God. He didn't just say some flippant thing. He responded with the word of God. And when we find ourselves in places of hardship, if we will just surrender and sit with the Lord, sometimes we think we have to labor to, to get God to move for us. And all it really is, you know, your shovel in the desert to dig for your well is T-I-M-E, time. That's your shovel. And it doesn't mean that you have to labor. It might mean that you just sit and you worship him. Or you take one scripture and you allow it to wash your mind and you meditate on it and you meditate on it until it becomes a living word to, to us. The living word. It's food in the desert place. That's the banquet table that he sets before us. That's the oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit that he pours out. This is the place that we find out who he is and we find out who we are. Amen? And so let's go back to the woman oh, well, with the issue of blood. But I want to read this while you're turning there. So the prerequisite is thirst. We have to, to thirst. And thirst means to suffer thirst, uh, to thirst one who painfully feels their want of and eagerly longs for those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. 
Psalm 63, 1, my soul thirsteth for thee in a dry and thirsty place, which means to uh, someone who is languishing. Uh, it's used of those who are wearied. They're, they're tired. They're either wearied from a journey or with toil. And at the same time, they suffer from thirst. And David said, as the deer pants for the water, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Remember in Isaiah 55, we read that he says, come by. Why do you spend on what doesn't satisfy? And a lot of times we wonder what, what, you know, we're trying to fill these places up with pleasures or, or the things of the world or going here or there. And we don't realize that we're trying to fill our thirsty soul with stuff and with the things of the earth. The only thing that can fill a thirsty soul is the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's it. When we go through, uh, if you go through a desert and you, or if you work out a lot, the only thing that will quench and, and revive your body is water. You can't give it soda. You can't give it juice or any other kind of drink. Maybe a little bit of Gatorade, but it's mostly water. And the water of the word is the only thing that will satisfy our soul. And this is what he's saying, as the deer is panting for the water brook, so my soul thirsts and longs after you as one who is wearied uh, from the journey. And so if you're wearied from the journey and you're thirsty, then you're in a good place because now the Lord can fill you. Amen? Okay, so let's go over to... um, Back to Mark 5. The Lord uh, makes a way in the wilderness. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark. Okay, we are down to, okay. Uh, okay, so he say, they said, we ended up with, who touched my clothes, Jesus said. Because, you know, he knew that power went out of him. And now Jesus knew who touched his clothing, Right? He didn't have to ask. He could have let her go off in her and in her quietness and her, you know, hiding, because the ailment she had was embarrassing, and so he could have let her do that. But he didn't. He called her out, and I don't think he called her out to be mean. Uh, there's something more happening in this scripture. In verse 31, he says, And his disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all of the truth. Okay? She told the truth in the midst of all those people. Basically, she testified what Jesus had done for her. And it solidified her healing And then Jesus turns and says to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. When he healed her of the issue of blood, her plague was healed. When he called her out and declared her to the people, Your daughter, your plague, you are healed. He delivered her from the shame And he delivered her from the rejection because she was now declared clean and she could be around the people. So God does, he he makes a dollar out of 50 cents. He, He does more than what we ever expect him to do. And she had this issue that for her, 
um, caused the shame and the rejection to come. And sometimes things will happen in our lives that will cause shame and rejection to come. And we try to chop off just the shame and the rejection. We don't understand why it's there. We try to make excuses for it. Or we think people do us dirty and they just do it. That always happens to me. And we, we cleave to that like it's a friend. But really, she got delivered of that after her issue of blood was healed. And a lot of times, we need to have a healing in our hearts from something that happened to us, from something somebody did to us. It could be uh, something that uh, you, you didn't ask for or didn't do anything wrong. But because of an event that happened, the shame and the guilt comes and you try to hide it, just like this woman did. She tried to hide it. And she then mingled, she, she, you mingle out through the crowds of people, and you pretend like everything's fine, but really, you need a healing. And you find that you think people reject you, or you find that you have shame and you got to hide it. But you know what? When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Amen? And I, I, I believe that the Lord wants to get to the heart of the matter. And in this instant with this woman, he got to the heart of the matter. And when he got to the heart of the matter, all the rest was wiped away. God is so good that way. I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. I'm going to read something the Lord gave me for um, 2014. The Lord said, Deeper still, our soul thirsts, it demands to be filled. It can only be satisfied with water from the well of the Holy Spirit. When we have thirst in our body, it can only be satisfied with water. Soda or juice will not quench thirst or satisfy. Only spiritual water can fill our soul, not earthly pleasures. When you have gone deep in the Spirit and in the Word, and you think you are at a great depth in Him, the Lord shows you more and calls you deeper still. This is the life of a follower of Christ. And so the Lord is calling us deeper still, deeper still. There's always a deeper place in God. And if you're here and you have things that you, you in your heart that you want to get free, this is the year to get free. This is the year to say, Lord, I don't want to go around the mountain anymore. I don't want to have shame, rejection, guilt. I don't want to be the one that keeps coming back to this place, and I, I keep halting from going forward. I want to be free to run with you because I believe that God, there is a brewing in the spirit, and God is bringing people into their destiny and there is a move of God that is coming that we have not seen where there is a, 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 a multitudes that are going to come into the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that is, we are on the cusp of change. And so now is the time for us to get completely free and say, I surrender. Whatever you want to do in me, I surrender. I won't labor. I won't kick against you. I will allow you to do all that you want to do in me. Amen? And if that is you, you guys, raise your hand. We can all pray it together. Let's just pray it together. And you guys, you pray in your hearts because the Lord hears. Father, you guys can pray after me. Father, I surrender. I ask you to complete the work you've begun. 
I ask you to deliver me and set me free that I might run with you, that there would be nothing between me and you, nothing that keeps me from your presence. I give myself to you, Jesus. Have your way.